I'm so glad um, also this morning that it's my privilege to honor and to welcome Dan and Diane Peters to join us at uh, Wake Chapel Church. Dan will be our interim pastor, and one of the things that Dan has emphasized in at least some of his writings is that they are a team, and you get that feeling when you meet them. I'll tell you what, let me just get you folks to stand and let us give you a Wake Chapel welcome here this morning. I wanted to mention that uh, Les and Peggy Phipps have done a wonderful job, as they always do, with our bulletin board down the hall near the pastor's study, but they've given us uh, a wonderful little uh, list of things in relation to the Peters concerning their lives, their testimonies, their calling, their ministry, and if you have not seen that, I would encourage you to, to read that, which is down the hall. We may put that in another publication later. We've put some things out. But I did want to just mention a couple of things. I don't want to, to go through a long list this morning because I want to give Dan and Diane that privilege. But uh, they both have been involved in pastoral ministry for over 40 years. And I think I'm right on this. Dan, you correct me later if I'm wrong. But it was two weeks ago today that they completed 29 years of ministry with Limerick Chapel in Limerick, Pennsylvania. And... Uh, so they have had one week off, so to speak, and now they're joining us at Wake Chapel. And we're so, some of the things that we see as we look back the way the Lord orchestrated this have been just wonderful. And, and some of those things will be shared with you later. But uh, they both uh, come to us with hearts that are ready to join us in the ministry here at Wake Chapel. I've got a Tell this, uh, Dan, you would appreciate this. One of our ladies actually dreamed this. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but one of our ladies dreamed that Dan rode to church on his motorcycle. <laughs> and what's so neat about that is that Dan has a motorcycle, and he loves to ride it. So he'll tell us more about that later. But they did ride into town. I don't think it was on a motorcycle this morning. <laughs> But we're glad they came in. Actually, they moved into their apartment last night. So they're just joining us this morning. We're grateful that they are here. In just a little bit, Dan will be sharing just a word of greeting with us and will be leading us in our offertory prayer. And then later he will be bringing a message, preparing us to gather together around the Lord's table. And then at the end of our time of worship this morning, they, both Dan and Diane will be at the entrance here in the sanctuary to, to greet you and to meet you this morning. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Diane. We're very happy to be with you today. Uh, Diane and I began our ministry together before we were married. Uh, back in 1970, this month, uh, so 47 years ago, we began ministry at Kensington Baptist Church in inner city Philadelphia. She was with the children and I was with the adults, and that's what we've been doing down through the years. We're very excited about this new chapter in our ministry and interim work now because we get to be together. 
Uh, for the last 47 years, she's been downstairs with a much rowdier crowd than I've had upstairs and uh, working with Beginner Church. Uh, but it's nice to be working together. This is a great church. You have a good reputation. You love and support each other. You're hungry for the Word of God. You're reaching out in your community. You have a strategic location here. You have an outstanding music program. You strongly support world missions. You stand up for what's right, and most of all, you love the Lord. And so I'm very excited about my little place in your 160 years of history here, filling in in between uh, senior pastors at your church. You are blessed to have had a pastor, a wonderful pastor, uh, Ross, for these last 30 years. Uh, We made it to 29 and a half, so we weren't quite at the 30-year mark at Limerick Chapel, but uh, we understand how a relationship between people and pastor uh, grows deep. So I know it's going to be a difficult time for you as a congregation uh, to get used to a different face up here for a while and then a more permanent uh, new face as your new senior pastor. So we're praying for you. Our folks and friends back at Limerick Chapel are praying for us and for you as well. What does an interim pastor do all week? You ever wonder? Some people do. They say, you only work one day a week. What a great job. Um, Actually, we do work during the week. And, uh, of course, some of that time is spent uh, studying, preparing, working with the staff, and so forth. But one thing that Diane and I like to do is to visit with people. We're interested in visiting the sick, visiting shut-ins, visiting people that have a need of salvation and sharing Christ with them, Uh, discipling new Christians, helping them get started in their new life in Christ, Uh, counseling couples and individuals together. This is what we like to do. And so uh, not only will my wife be at the door with me today, but she will have her her pad and her pen and uh, will be writing down anything that you tell us Uh, that you would like us to follow up on. Also, uh, if you like, you can have my cell number. If you want to write it down, it's 610-608-3162. You say you give out your cell number? Yeah, it's on the internet, okay? We've had it on the radio. I let people know my cell number, and if I don't want to answer the phone, I won't, okay? (laughs) But I want to give it to you because... If you have a need, I'm going to be your pastor. So don't tell me you were in the hospital last week, okay? You tell me you're in the hospital today, all right? You let me know when you're in the hospital or someone your family is in the hospital or someone has a need. And as best we can, we will try to be there and to minister. That's what we love to do during the week is to be with folks. And uh, we're just going to try to listen. We're going to try to pray with you and uh, be with you in whatever you're going through in your life. I want to be your under-shepherd of Jesus Christ uh, during these days. He's the shepherd, and our job, of course, is always to point people to the Lord and to His care. 
So let's bow in prayer uh, together. Our Father, we come to You in the name of Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit. We come to You as the true and living God. How unsearchable are Your judgments and Your unfathomable in Your ways. Who is first given to You that it might be paid back to Him again? For from You and through You and to You are all things. To You be the glory forever and ever. We ourselves have presented ourselves in worship today, Lord, because it is our reasonable service to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Help us not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may experience the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We come confessing our sinfulness and our sins to You. Because we don't want anything to come between us and You. We want to be in fellowship with You. We want Your power in our lives. We want Your wisdom, Your guidance, and Your help. We thank You for all the ways that You have blessed and helped us this past week. And we're trusting You with our burdens and needs even now. Thank You for Your great salvation for great sinners like us. Thank You, Lord, that by Your blood You have washed every believer in Christ clean. We are no longer guilty before You. We stand not only cleansed, but we stand in the righteousness of Christ alone, who died for us and rose again that we might have eternal life. We intercede on behalf of our President. His job is way too big for any person. And the attacks upon him are overwhelming. We pray that somehow in the midst of all of the confusion surrounding him, that he might know you and walk with you and be guided by you. Lord, we need him to be led by you. Guide him and help him and those around him. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico and other places affected by these storms and flooding. I pray, Lord, that they would get the help that they need and that your children who minister in these places would be strengthened and encouraged. We pray for those who serve in the police force in our country as they are attacked and beleaguered in so many ways. I pray, Lord, for those among them who know you as their Savior, that you might give them wisdom and grace and influence. We pray, Lord, for the unborn that are being murdered in our country by the sin of abortion. We pray for our country so awash in pornography in fornication, in adultery. And we think of uh, the, the way this calls out for judgment upon our nation with so much gospel light and yet so much filth. 
Lord, we pray that somehow you would intervene and that you would spare these unborn children. Thank you for those who are providing for them so that they might live. We pray, Lord, for those who are sick today that you would bring healing according to your will. We pray for those who are away in the military that you would watch over them and protect them and their families. Bless the missionaries of this church as they faithfully serve you around the country and around the world. We pray especially for believers who are standing up for Jesus all around the world, even at great cost. And then we pray especially for those with burdens, needs on their hearts today, perhaps that haven't even been shared with anybody else, but you know uh, those needs. Lord, we cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. What a privilege it is to come to the Lord's table. Thank you for singing and playing about our Lord because He is the focus of worship. We've come here to worship the Lord. And it's always nice to be invited to somebody's house for dinner. (laughs) Somebody said the Lord did not have a last meeting. He had a last supper. Because there's something about sitting at the table together and sharing a meal together that draws us together. But this is a very special table. And it is by the washing of the water of the Word that we prepare to come to the table. I don't know about your mother, but my mother always said, you wash your hands? You know, yeah. The Bible says, let a man examine himself. Let him, then let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I do not believe that God is calling us to a morbid introspection that comes so easily to some of us, but rather to allow the light of God's Word to shine into our hearts. And that His light might show us uh, what we need to clean up. It's been an interesting week for Diane and I. We've moved twice this week. Uh, we sold our house in Pennsylvania and uh, on, on Monday of this past... Yeah, it was this Monday, wasn't it? And then uh, Wednesday, we purchased a house in Lynchburg, Virginia and moved in there. And then we moved into that nice apartment that you prepared for us with our suitcases last night. And uh, so we've been uh, moving to new places. And Whenever you move into a new place, you want to clean out the last person's dirt. You know what I mean? You don't want any of their dirt. Uh, You want to clean it out. And, uh, and, and, And we all know what it means to have a clean house. But the Lord wants us to have a clean heart. The best way to do that is to meditate on His Word. So I would like us to go to the Gospel of John chapter 1 as we prepare our hearts. The Bible says Ezra prepared his heart. And we want to come to the Lord's table with 
prepared hearts today. Let's bow in prayer. Father, open Your Word to us by Your Holy Spirit, our Teacher, and show us Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm in the Gospel according to John, chapter 1 and verse 19. John 1.19. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? so that we might give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him and said to him, Why then are you baptizing if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we come to the Lord's table today. I'd like us to think about what John the Baptist said. I kind of feel like I'm a John the Baptist, interim pastor. It's a new thing to me. This is my first time I'm doing this. I've been a senior pastor, assistant pastor, associate pastor, only pastor, all kinds of pastors. I've never been an interim pastor. So uh, this is new to me, and I hope you'll be patient with me as I learn my new job. But I feel like I'm John the Baptist. Uh, he, was, he was, by the way, John the Baptist was not a Baptist. Uh, he was a Jew, okay? He was a baptizer. Um, and I'm not like him. I don't make my own clothes and eat bugs, okay? That's another whole, that's another whole uh, role. Uh, but as an interim pastor, I feel like my job is to prepare the way for your next senior pastor, to prepare the way for him. But even more importantly, to prepare the way of the Lord in your hearts. That's our job. We're way preparers. We're not the answer to anybody's problems. I'll tell you, I'm not the answer to your problems, okay? I'm not but I know how to point you to the one who is, the wonderful Counselor, the Lord Himself. It's important to know who we aren't. John the Baptist knew who he wasn't. He knew he wasn't the Christ. He wasn't even Elijah. He was just the one preparing the way that Isaiah spoke of. Remember in a vacation Bible school one year, we had a tabernacle theme. You know how you have a theme every year in VBS? And I got the role of being the high priest. And I was wearing the high priest garments, the high priest hat, and all this thing. And, and we showed them what the priests did with the sacrifices and everything. And then we were having our snack 
you know, drinking bug juice out on the church parking lot. And this little kid came up to me. He was about this high. He looks at me, looks up at me. And I had all my garb on, you know. He looks up at me, says, I know who you are. I said, who, who do you think I am? He says, you're God. <laughs> I thought, boy, this isn't going real well, you know. <laughs> so I got down real low. And I said, uh, Jimmy, I said, you know, there's two things I know. There is a God, and I'm not him. Okay? It's very important to know that. There is a God, and I'm not him. But there is a God, and there is a Savior, and he is the one that can meet the deepest needs of our lives. My son works, uh, my son is an army chaplain who works with veterans now, so many of whom are killing themselves, suicidal. So many of them are dealing with guilt feelings about things that they try to drown in drugs and alcohol and uh, end up in so many, so many problems. Uh, So sad what's happening even to very young people in terms of drugs and alcohol today. Uh, I, I really believe that There is so much pain in some of these young lives. Real pain from real guilt, from real sin. That they're trying to somehow alleviate the pain by medicating themselves when what they need is the blood of Jesus to cleanse them from their sins, to free them from their guilt, and to give them the glorious freedom of Jesus. He's the one that can meet the deepest needs of a person's life. So our job is to point the way to Jesus, uh, to, to make the road straight, to make the road smooth, to make the road right. Take away all the obstacles so that people can come to Jesus. That's our role as witnesses of Christ. John the Baptist says, I'm just here to prepare the way. I'm just here to point you to Jesus. And he says, he's coming and I'm not worthy to tie his shoes. (laughs) That's pretty low. You know? Somebody says, tie my shoes. That's a pretty low job to tie. You ever tie a kid's shoes? They all got those Velcro things now. It's great. Uh, They don't have to learn how to tie their shoes. But he says, I'm not even worthy to tie this man's shoes. Who is he? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When Jesus comes, he points him to Jesus. That's that's the Lamb. He's the one. Behold. I love that word. Behold. Look unto me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth. In John chapter 3, John tells the story how Jesus told the story from the Old Testament about the snake on the pole. Still a symbol of medical care today. Why a snake on a pole? Why that barber pole kind of thing? Well, back in the Old Testament when people whined and complained, the Lord disciplined them by sending poisonous snakes among them. It was killing the people. They cried out to the Lord. They repented. They cried out to the Lord for mercy. And he says, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to make a snake out of bronze. I want you to put it up on a pole. And whoever looks at it will live. 
and they did. Look and live, and they did. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Some people think that means to just sing cool songs and lift up Jesus. But if you read the context of John chapter 3, the way we lift up Jesus is by preaching the Gospel. When we share the Gospel, the Gospel is not what we do for God. It's what God did for us in Christ. What Jesus did in dying on the cross for us and rising again. That's how we lift up Jesus. We lift Him up as the serpent on the pole. We lift Him up as the one who became the the snake for us. He became the serpent. He became the despised one. He took our sins on Himself and suffered and died. And when He is lifted up as the crucified Christ... We look to Him and we are saved. Look to Him. It's not a matter whether you came down an aisle or not or whether you prayed the right prayer or not or what what you did. It's looking to Jesus. Who are you trusting in today to keep you saved? It is Jesus. And if it is Jesus who died for you and rose again, then you are saved for eternity. But if you are trusting in your own good works, no matter how good they are, you are still lost. And you must believe in Jesus. I call you today, look and live. Behold, look to Jesus. He alone can save you. And He's the Lamb of God. Oh, we could say so much about that. That trail of blood runs all the way through the Scriptures. Abel brought a lamb and it was an acceptable sacrifice. God had made the coverings of the skins of animals to cover Adam and Eve. Always there was blood sacrifices all the way through the Scriptures. You know, if you went to the tabernacle or the temple, it would be more like a slaughterhouse than a church. Because animals were being killed there every day and burned every day. Why? Because there was a covering of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. All the way through, He's the Lamb of God. And then the Passover. Some of you are studying in Sunday school. The Exodus. Yes, and the Passover. The Lamb had to be killed and the blood had to be put on the doorposts of the house. And then when the blood was there, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The angel of death did not kill the oldest son because the blood was on the door. And when the blood of Jesus is on the door of your heart, the angel of death will pass over you. And you will not go to hell. You'll go to heaven when you stop breathing in this body. The Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. And He's the Lamb of God. Isaiah 53 tells us that it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. He was smitten of God. On the cross, He cried out, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? What's the answer? My sins and Yours were what caused the Father to not only turn away from His Son, but to strike Him. Jesus was punished 
for your sins and mine in our place and for our sins. He was wounded for our transgressions. And then He's the one that takes away the sin of the world. In the old days, in the old times, they would confess their sins on the scapegoat's head. And then they would send that scapegoat off into the wilderness carrying the sins of the people with Him. Jesus is our scapegoat. We have placed our sins upon Him and He has carried them away from us as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? We have children all over the country and one in Hong Kong. I say, my kids... That's one of the reasons we're doing this interim work. We want to be close to our grandkids. And, and you know, my one son, my youngest son, if he went any further, he'd be coming back. You know? It's Hong Kong is the other side of the planet. How far is the east from the west? You just keep going with that east and west thing. Our sins are infinitely away from us. He has taken our sins away. And notice it is the sins of the world. Why? Because God so loved the world. He didn't just love His own, the Jewish people, although it is the Gospel was to the Jew first. But... Always, throughout even the Old Testament, when God was dealing with Israel, His ultimate plan was that they would be a light to the nations and that all the nations would come. In the temple area, there was a wall. And outside that wall, the Gentiles could come. And it was meant by God to be the court of the Gentiles where people from all nations could come and learn about the Lord and where Jews could tell them about Jesus. But what did they do with the court of the Gentiles? They made it a place to sell doves and goats and exchange money. And remember when Jesus came in, what did he do? He threw them out. He got mad. He did. He got angry. It was righteous indignation. He came in there and he threw them out. What did he say? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of thieves. I wonder what he would do with American Christianity today if he were to clean up every outfit that was existing just to make money. How sad. When a church considers money to be the most important thing, God forbid. No, the church of Jesus Christ meant to be a light to its community. It's Jerusalem, it's Judea, even it's Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And praise God for a church like this that doesn't just care for me and mine and ours and local ministry, but is reaching out sacrificially around the world, sending your people, sending your money, sending your prayers to reach those around the world who have never heard because God cares about the whole world. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. We hear a lot about racism today. There is one race, the human race. And we're all sinners in need of the one Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for all of our sins. God loves the world. Let's bow in prayer.
Lord Jesus, we thank You that You invite us to Your table. We thank You for these elements that represent Your body offered on the cross for us. Your blood poured out for us. How we thank You that You were willing to endure the death that we deserve, the hell that we deserve, the rejection, the pain, the torment that we deserve. You took it, Jesus, that we might have what You deserve. That eternal life with the Father forever. As we come to the table, help us to remember who we are and who You are. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We would like to invite the deacons who are going to serve today to please join me on the platform. Our deacon Joey Best will give thanks for the bread. You will bow and pray with me. Thank you, Father, for this precious time of reverent reflection on all that Christ did for us at Calvary. And God, as we partake of these hallowed symbols at this holy communion table, Lord, we humbly take this bread and we eat it in remembrance of you, for your dear body was broken for us. And God, may we continue to feed on you in our hearts by faith and with grateful reflection thanks for this day forward and may we walk worthy of our calling in Christ Jesus and live a life that is honoring to you and Lord we pray these things in Christ's holy name amen and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me. Our deacon Craig Deal will return thanks for the cup. Would you pray with me? Father, make us mindful that this cup symbolizes the blood of Jesus Christ, willingly shed for us on the cross. For he who knew no sin became sin that we might know the righteousness of God through him. Jesus paid that price not only for our sin, but because of our sin. Help us then, Father, to walk in paths of righteousness. Amen. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. After the Lord celebrated that last supper with his disciples, we read in the scriptures that they sang a hymn. And they went out 
That's been our custom here at Wake Chapel. We will sing the first verse of Blessed Be the Tie That Binds Our Hearts in Christian Love. It's number 286. If you'd like to follow the words in the hymnal. After that, we will go out. And we go out into the world. And may the Lord make us lights to shine forth and to point others to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Would you stand with us, please, as we sing?